Hey, 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 hey. All right, stop all that. Stop all that mess. All right, stop, stop. We ain't got all that kind of money. That's as much money as we got to pay for that daggone Star Wars song. Well, y'all guessed it. This is going to be a Star Wars episode. Things are going to get worse before they get better. Got down on his knees and gave his life to Christ. Because Americans are dreamers too. You're not in any moral position to tell anybody how corrupt they are. You should be quiet. Why? Why are our black sons and daughters being treated so badly? This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White Hodge. Welcome back. Welcome back, y'all. Yeah, back in the house, back in the place to be. This your boy, Dan White Hodge. What you think? Season two's kicking it off, right? Man, 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 man. Woo, Dr. David Congdon, he was off, he was off the chain, wasn't he? <laughs> yes, he was. Um, well, welcome back. It's good to have you guys back if you're listening. Um, uh, and of course, if you're listening for the first time, I highly recommend that you go and um, listen to the first episode, Zero Zero. And you can kind of see what this podcast is about. I have my story on here as well. So I want to welcome a lot of the new subscribers and um, the new listeners on here. Uh, we've, we've had a really good turnaround with downloads and streaming uh, this last week. Uh, Dr. David Congdon, he, uh, he, he, he brought him out. He brought him out this, this last week. Um, and this week, you know, we're about to get into the little Star Wars episode here. I'm hoping we do the same thing. So welcome for those of you who are listening for the first time. Again, I just recommend you go back. And you can, you know, check out the podcast, see what you think, see what it's about. Uh, you know, we're into a few episodes now. You know what I'm saying? And um um, again, I'm just I'm thankful for my listenership. I'm thankful for the people who will continue to comment and continue to uh, give great support for this podcast. I thank you um, a lot for that. This is this is really good. So welcome. And, uh, you know, I want to hop right into this. So I don't want to, you know, belabor this this introduction too much. Um, but, you know, I figured I am been a huge Star Wars fan since I went and saw it back in the 70s, man, the, the original the original three, um, and I wanted to have some dialogue around that. Um, you know, I know some of you are probably saying at this point in time, you know, why Star Wars? Why not Black Panther? All right, let me stop you there. <laughs> Black Panther is complex. I got to go see that movie again. At least I got to go see it a couple more times. So it's in the works. I've already sent some text messages and some phone calls, talking with some folks, so it, it's coming. Um, and it's, so yeah, we're, we're going to get into Black Panther. Trust me on that, so... Uh, it's coming. Just, just give, just give a brother a second. Star Wars, on the other hand, I've seen over and over. I've read some books. I've seen some comics. Uh, the expanded universe, uh, in canon, out of canon. So, I've got a little more experience with that. Um, and so, I wanted to have a conversation, especially with the new um, episode eight that just came out, um, featuring a lot of women, uh, some women of color. Um, and I wanted to have. Well, I'm going to really situate this conversations around two different perspectives. Um, one, I'm bringing the great Kate Sanchez, the brilliant Kate Sanchez back on the show. I told you I'd get her back. And she's an amazing mind, uh, especially when it comes to comic books and just this whole pop culture uh, whatnot. And they have a great uh, podcast. But why, though? So if you haven't subscribed or listened to that, highly recommend that. Go go and check that out. Um, 
But uh, I wanted to bring her on and just have a discussion around, you know, Star Wars and really look at it in a positive light. Um, I'm going to be bringing my other brother, my other good friend, my other brother, a brother brother from another mother, uh, brother Joseph Boston. I've had him on before. I think it was episode two or three. You can go back and check the archives there. Um, and uh, we're going to have a discussion on a on a con as it pertains to Star Wars Episode Eight. So I wanted to situate these conversations uh, around both ends, right? There's a lot of commentary around Star Wars. There's a lot of different points of view. Um, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, intersectionality, a lot of stuff with race, a lot of stuff with class. Um, you know, as a Star Wars fan, it's great to see more ethnic minorities, at least two or three more, um, rather than just having uh, the one brother, you know, in uh, Empire Strikes Back, you know, uh, Lando, um, played by Billy D. Williams. Um, but so it's been great. It's been great to see that. It's been great to see that, you know, um, in there at the same time, it's just a stretch. It's just a footstep into, you know, uh, the aspects of, uh, ethnic minority representation in Hollywood. So I think it's important that we have these conversations. And so I wanted to have Kate back on and have a conversation. Now she's really y'all. She's really versed in star Wars. She's way smarter than me on this way. She blows me out the water. So I'm really leaning on her expertise on this. I'm and I'm just kind of going like, uh huh, uh huh, yup, yeah, wow. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm just trying to keep up with her. Um, this woman is brilliant, and so I'm going to continue to uh, kind of you know hitch my trailer uh, to, to to her and move along. But I was very thankful to have her on. Um, I'll put the uh, you know put the podcast in that she's has some some great great uh, material out there some essays that we're going to mention here in a few minutes so I'll put those essays in the show notes um, I also put the put the why though podcast in there as well um, but again I'm excited about this conversation and you know because Star Wars is such a unique universe um, it's a unique group of fan based uh, in fact Joseph and I wrote a, wrote a couple of articles and book chapters on race and representation particularly with uh, John Boyega uh, and his role as Finn um, in, the, in, in episode 7 so I will uh, be posting those shortly as well and um, yeah, don't forget you know there's also a blog on whitehodgepodcast.com and for those of you you know thinking like wonder where are these show notes they're on the website, whitehodgepodcast.com. Go there. You can see the show notes, the links, all that good stuff. And this season, I'm putting up headshots so you can actually see the people I'm interviewing and talking with. Um, so, you know, just little changes, little changes um, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, I think uh, it's, it's when you think about representation, especially when you think about sci-fi and 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 people of color and especially like a universe like star wars you know you got to kind of wonder like man where are the people of color at really is it just all dominated by white folks who with british accents um and you know that's that's something that's something and so i've i'm excited for these new trilogies and you know disney they gonna make some money off of anything so they're gonna be trying to put all kind of stuff uh in the mix and so i'll be interested to see where these things go we have a new star wars episode coming out well not an episode in the saga but another story, a Star Wars story with on Han Solo. So, you know, we'll put these things together. Uh, we'll see how they go. But uh, I wanted to definitely get a Star Wars episode in just because I think that's what podcasters do, right? <laughs> so without any further ado, y'all, um, here's Kate and I talking about Star Wars, breaking some stuff down, breaking some great material down. Hopefully you'll gain some knowledge from this. I was definitely like, oh, I didn't know that. But like I said, you'll see. Kate's brilliant. If you haven't heard our other podcasts, I believe what we were at, well, I don't even know what episodes. I don't even know what episodes I have. But if you go to the website, if you go on iTunes, you can check us out there. Um, her name's up on there as well. And the same thing, I would also add 
that uh, if you haven't been to iTunes, you rate us, like us, follow us, all that good stuff on there. That's always good. Leave a review. That really helps things as well. So just kind of want to keep those things moving. We appreciate the fan base and appreciate the conversation. So again, here we go. Star Wars episode on Profane Faith. I am back and I am happy to be here. This is very, very happy. Oh, this is (laughs) awesome. Well, you know, y'all, we are here to talk about one of my, if y'all didn't know this, I am an avid Star Wars fan. Um... I was during the I went and saw the first I was too young, but I do remember some of it in as as a kid when I saw the first ones in the in the uh, in the theaters. And then I remember my first awareness of Christmas was Star Wars toys. I had the X-Wing fighter and uh, Boba Fett. I didn't even know who Boba Fett was. man. I was like, man, who is who's this guy with like a missile in the back and stuff? So um, I, we were here to talk about Star Wars and Kate. What, uh, what, yeah, because you are like a Comic Con genius. And, uh, <laughs> what's your, what's your, quickly, what's your background on, because I know you talked about this in the last podcast, but what's like your background on Star Wars and all that stuff? Are you a Trekkie as well? Are you, are you in Star Trek? I, I firmly believe that you can love the Trek and Star Wars yeah. at the same time. Yeah. I do. I yes. wave both those fangirl flags really high. Um, the first, I would say, The first memory I have of Star Wars was holding the model pieces for my cousin's Millennium Falcon (laughs) while he was putting them together. And I also broke my last, um, not last Jedi, my Return of the Jedi um, VHS tape because I would rewind it back so many times. Uh, So I... For me, even though I was born in the era of the prequels, the original trilogy is <laughs> yes. is what I grew up on and yes. is where my heart firmly lies. Like I, I've been in Star Wars all my life. Yes, so. that's what's up. Yep, I know. I know. My daughter. I'm. I I lent my daughter my Millennium Falcon to play with, and now it's in parts. It's not broke, but oh. it's in parts. <laughs> so I'm still trying to reclaim those parts, and I have an at-at that I tend to keep in my office as well. So I got that when I was in third grade and I couldn't afford it. And a friend got it for me. It was like 60 bucks at the time. And that's awesome. Oh, it was, it's, it's amazing. So as we're looking at this, we're talking about obviously star Wars episode eight, the last Jedi. Um, I have now seen it three times. Um, yourself, Kate, two, two. Two Okay. Okay. All right. Um, I was, I was, I was late to go see it. I saw it a week after it opened. So I, I know I wasn't on the first things, but I'm curious to know just your initial take. I mean, I've gone on YouTube now and, and, uh, and you had some amazing tweets just on this. And I'm curious, just was you, what was your initial take on the film, the direction of it, <laughs> you know, as it pertains to the, to the director and all that good stuff. Now we're moving away from JJ, Although he's coming back for nine, though. I, I yes, heard. he is. Okay. All right. All right. So, yeah. Is it Ryan Johnson? It's Ryan Johnson. Ryan right? Johnson. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. So, so I'm just, you're, just your initial thoughts, and then we'll, we'll break it out from there. Um, so, my initial thoughts were what did I watch? Um, <laughs> which is both positive and negative. Yes. I mean, I. I don't think this movie is perfect, but I believe that there were elements of it that were perfect. The one thing that I took with, they took out of there with me, um, were, um, was the storyline with, uh, Kylo, Ray and Luke. And that was, that was all I was thinking about. And then as I started unpacking everything, I was like, well, some of these other things didn't really (laughs) land too well. Yeah. 
And then the fan conversation has just been a complete mess. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that. I was, uh, you know, when I go to do like a Google search, it pulls up like little ads. And so I was, it was, I've, I've read a couple of things. There were a couple of fans. One said that Star Wars was dead to him and that, you know, he, this, was, this was it for him and that, you know, the solo story wasn't even going to be worth watching and that, you know, it really started with Rogue One and that this was just horrible. And then I have other people who said, oh, this is the best. You've got women of color in there and you've got, you know, uh, it's a different universe. Woman, woman of color. What? <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Let's keep that in in perspective. Um. I mean, okay, so my initial thoughts on the film were, I mean, I'll just be honest. I'll put all my cards on the table. I wasn't a big fan of, of episode seven. Uh, I, And maybe it's because I wasn't into all of the in-between stuff between six and seven. And you please fill me in on that. I didn't make the connection with the First Order and how that all came to fruition I was hoping, and maybe this is just my old original trilogy, I was hoping for more Luke, more Leia, more Han, and maybe J.J. was trying to tell us, like, look, that we done. We're going into a new era. We're trying to tell new stories. Um, so I felt like this one, episode eight, picked up better and was able to wind the story a little bit better, although that slow chase scene was was, was <laughs> killing me. <laughs> With all the technology that people presumably have. I mean, so that was my initial take on that. How would you describe maybe like the, even just how people were casted in, in you know, in the in the in the film? Um, so, yeah. So when it comes to casting, I mean, I think one of the great things is that we have an extremely diverse Star Wars now. Um, yeah. And I mean, our main characters are a woman, a brown man, a black man, and an, and an Asian woman. Like these are that this is we haven't seen this before. You know, it's picking up with Rogue One, but at the same time, um, we've now hit this area where you can't say anything bad about them <laughs> without yeah. being called certain names. So that that's also something. So there <laughs> there there's been this kind of bubble around protecting the new stuff. And I think what Ryan Johnson was getting at with his entire movie was we have to let go of the old trilogy. We have to let go of the old, which I totally agree with that sentiment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's kind of been we'll throw the baby out with the bath bathwater in the old. So like I I, I did like how um, the, the I think the roles were casted perfectly, including um, the new uh, the new admiral we get, um, Emmeline Holdo. I think yeah. she was cast very well. Um, I also think overall, I liked the direction that this went, um, that The Last Jedi went, that uh -huh. Ryan chose to go a lot of his choices. But at the same time, I'm kind of on the opposite end. I don't think it winded those stories too closely um, or how I wanted it okay. um, with, the, with the old stuff. Um, we don't get that much Leia. We yes. get like a big Leia scene and then we get no Leia for almost the entire film. Right. Um, so we don't get a lot of her. And I, this is where it, it it's hard because obviously The Force Awakens was a Han movie. This is a Luke movie. And Nine was supposed to be a Leia movie. Yeah. yeah but yeah. with Carrie being, you know, being gone, that possibility had to change. And they already delayed Nine. Um so it's 
it's hard to kind of reconcile that, you know, yeah. in because I know the circ again, and that's not necessarily Ryan's fault, right? Because this was done before she had passed, right? But it's something that I carry with me, like why couldn't she have gone out and, and, you know, in this movie, why couldn't I have seen her more interacting with people and that kind of stuff? Um, I just think that there's this stark, and this might be more me having it, it like talk to the fandom type thing. <laughs> what I don't like is there is a very strong forget all of the past without realizing that this movie very heavily resembles return of the Jedi. Yes. Very, very heavily. Yes. In many of the scenes. The throne room yes. scene is almost oh. shot for shot Return of the Jedi. <laughs> oh my, I like, was thinking the same thing. Now. <laughs> <laughs> keep going, keep um, going, keep going. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean I, I don't want to ramble because I, I can ramble all day, but like it, it it's Yeah, I yeah. What I, 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 I don't that, know what to say. <laughs> no, but that's that scene in the throne room with Snoke and everything, I mean I actually when I first saw it, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, What wait, wait a minute, wait. Did, were you in the right movie? Like, because it's like, okay, sure, the backdrop is red, but, you know, and the Return of the Jedi was dark or whatever. But I'm like, here you have the Emperor or whoever's like the main head Jedi, and then you've got the the apprentice behind, and she's... And I was like, wait a minute, this is the exact same thing. I mean, he even forces her up to the window to go see, like, what's exactly. happening. Right <laughs> oh, man. Um, Okay, so this, is, so this is interesting because, right, I mean, I thought when... Um, when, when Leia was like blown out and like, you know, um, Kylo, he couldn't shoot, but then his two star pi or her wing pilots, you know, they shot the, the stuff and of oh, Akbar, he was, he's, he's gone. I was oh like, my gosh. No. That, so I would say even from people who loved the movie, this is the one point that really has kind of, why would you do Akbar like that? Ryan? Oh, I'm why? saying he he is one. He's one of the only alien presence presence in this yeah. sequel trilogy because apparently aliens <laughs> don't exist anymore. Yes. It's just all a bunch of humans. Right. But on top of that, uh, like if you actually go into the lore, the only reason that the Rebel Alliance is able to have such um, successful like space battles is because of the Moncala, and that is because Akbar um, ensures that the Moncala win their civil war. And the planet isn't taken over by somebody else. And this is in the Clone Wars TV series, the yeah. start of season four. You okay. can go check it out oh, on Netflix. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and the Mon Calamari people are the reason that the Rebel Alliance has the strength that it does in space. Now, if you notice, everybody is like the ship that they're on is a Mon Cala ship. It's called the Radis, which is named after the guy in, um, in Rogue One. Yes. That says, get, the, get me a Hammerhead Corvette. That's um, right. Yeah, it's named after him. It's a Mon Cala ship. And yet somehow there are no more Mon Calamari on that ship. Or like, yeah, it, it, it was terrible because he's such a great strat um, strategist. And from what we've seen, neither the First Order nor the Resistance have put forward any great tacticians. And knowing right. that Akbar was the person who realized that it was a trap to begin with, <laughs> you would think that he would have been brought back to do more teaching than just brought back and killed off screen. Oh. Cause he was killed off screen and I, it was a throwaway line. It was like, yeah, Admiral Akbar, everybody's dead. It's like, wait, what? That's it. Akbar died. 
Exactly. I was actually traumatized by that. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, everything you just said, everything. And that's and that that one when that then first time I saw when I saw when I heard that right, it was a throwaway line. You can't even decently it's almost as bad as um oh what's his name in, in Return of the Jedi when he gets swallowed by a uh um the the big uh, yes it's almost like Boba Fett. I don't know how you felt about that, but I felt like Boba Fett didn't get the death he deserved. It's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> Boba Fett doing all this stuff. He's trying to avenge his dad and all this stuff. I'm like, come on, man. And anyways, <laughs> but this was this was really bad. I mean, like, come on, man. Like, at least have him go out with the doing the light speed thing. Like, have him be there next to General yeah. Holdo. General Holdo should have been Akbar. Yes. That is, like, because you know what? That entire conflict with Poe and Holdo, which I have major freaking problems Okay, with. all right. We got to get into but, that. But um, it would have been the same if Akbar had been there. And it would have meant more because you have Poe, somebody who has heard the stories of Akbar and heard what the Moncala have done, still having that defiant nature towards him because he has assurance in himself. Like that, it should have happened like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> now, and, and so, okay, so then, so Poe, I felt like Poe took a different turn. Maybe he was just all that way in Seven. I felt like in Seven he was definitely a flyboy, but he felt more gung-ho the way he was written in this film than he was yeah. in the last film. And I felt like it was almost switched. Like, maybe we should have introduced him like a gung-ho and then he gets wiser. But if, I don't know. But yeah, that whole interaction with Hodo and and and... And the mutiny and all that. I, yeah. What, tell tell me your thoughts. And you were like, man, I got some <laughs> issues with that. Yeah. Um. So overall, Poe and I'll I'll just use you know movie continuity. Um. There is a break in his character. I think you're right. I think that we understand in the Force Awakens the importance that Poe has in in the Resistance. We understand that he is the only person that Leia trusted to go get the the plan uh, the map to find her brother the yeah. only person yeah yeah he's also presented as the most one of the most talented pilots but we don't actually get to see him really pilot anything until the end yes um so the fact that this movie opens up with poe just come like single-handedly destroying all the guns on a dreadnought ship was amazing because i'm like yes finally they're showing us how great he is exactly um, but the thing is is and I think this has to do more with writing because Ryan Johnson obviously wants you to be sympathizing with Poe. He wants you to trust Poe and he wants you to kind of distrust Holdo. But at the end of the day, um, what a lot of that has led to are people saying that Poe's entire demeanor towards Holdo, who is a woman, was sexist. Yeah. And that because he was dismissive or he mansplained her by saying that she should distance themselves and was like, wait. I went back and watched the movie, came back, and there is actually when the moment his, the the X-wing hangar blows up, yeah, and he he realizes they tracked us. We have to we have to get out of range. Then the camera cuts directly to Leia, who says the exact same thing. And I think that was done to show that like he's Leia's protege, and they're on the same wavelength, mm -hmm. um, which is why he has such a problem with Holdo. But it wasn't written well. Like a lot of the the conflict felt forced because there's this play, right? Holdo calls him a flyboy and says that he just want you know he just wants to fight and he's like, I just want to know your plan because he actually humbles himself in front of her and says, Captain Commander, 
I don't care. I just want to know what we're going to do. He says that to her. And she still dismisses him. And the only time that he's, I'm sorry, I can go on for, I I wrote an entire article about this. So keep going. I got to post that. Yeah. Um, Send me that link because I'm going to post that in the show notes. I definitely will. I broke this down like play by play. (laughs) That's what I'm talking Uh, about. uh, When it comes down to it, Poe is self-assured and he, you're right. He is very gung ho. And I think that, he has a reason to be, you know, he has a very big reason to be. He showed his, he is a figurehead in the resistance, Yeah, which is. And so when Holdo says, get off my bridge, she's not only isolating him. She's also isolating the people that he can draw to her. He's also, he could be this unifying member of a crew. Yeah. When, Rose's entire job was stopping people from fleeing because they were scared. So your crew is obviously scared. And you ice out the one man who has their admiration and who just destroyed a dreadnought. Yeah. And you don't do anything and you don't tell anybody your plan, which then leads to her um, to her getting detained because... Poe walks in, sees that they're filling up the jump ships, and the first thing he thinks is, we're, we're going to be sitting ducks. You're leading us to die. And so I think, rightfully, he loses his shit a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, after that, he tries to tell her the plan, which was to uh, go on board the Supremacy and destroy the light speed tracker so that they could get away. Mm-hmm. Right. And she says, well, it's too late now. And so it's kind of like, well, so this entire conflict that is this entire subplot could have been solved had A, Poe told her the plan when Finn and Rose came to her, came to him, or B, Holdo had just said, oh, no, there is actually this abandoned rebel base on Crate, like right there that we're just going to go over to. Help me <laughs> fill up these ships and get everybody ready to go. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a- like I understand the point of like Poe's entire arc in this movie is to show him going from a flyboy pilot to a leader like that. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, initially he starts by, you know, not listening to Leia when she says turn back. And in the end, she tell he tells Finn turn back instead of pursuing the fight, knowing when to cut the, you know, knowing when to leave. Yeah. And he learns that. And I think that that can still be achieved without him fighting with Holdo over something stupid. <laughs> oh, right. No, this is really good. This is really good. I, I like this. And I think actually I think I found your uh, your article. The problem with the discourse around The Last Jedi. That uh, that's one of my articles. Oh. That is about how we keep calling people racist and sexist for not liking Rose when there are very legitimate reasons to not like her. Oh, <laughs> deep. Everyone is uh, Poe is not a bad guy. Okay, all right. I'm like I said for those of you listening, I will post these in the <laughs> notes because these are important reads to be taken in if you are a serious Star Wars fan. Now I know you've worked you've worked one on one like trying to work with the cat. Like was it in the Twitter world or was it actual Star Wars folks and trying to get a more diverse diversity within just the the dialogue and the narrative and stuff? How, it, tell me a little bit about that. I can't. I can't. I'm not putting all the pieces together, but I know you've you've done some work. You've done some some hard ass work on <laughs> on this. Yeah. So I, uh, me, and a uh, or uh, 
I and a community of people, and I want to stress that it was a community of people. It, it wasn't just me, but we worked on two Twitter campaigns. The first was uh, Star Wars is a Girl Thing 2 to highlight women in fandom and the importance that we bring to it when mm. uh, we're so often maligned and abused just for wearing a Ray costume and you're not a size zero or, you know, th- things like that. And that actually got Mark Hamill's attention, and he he also participated and said this is what Carrie would have wanted, you know. And there's a video wow. of me crying because he liked one of my tweets, and I was like, Mark Hamill knows who I am, so that video is out there on the internet somewhere. I'm sure you can find it. Yes. Um, but beyond that conversation, I was also part of uh, Star Wars Rep Matters hashtag as well, which meant, which was done to highlight the fact that the Star Wars universe is very diverse. It may not have been on film, but it has, it has always been that in the books and the comics. Mm. Um, and we need to highlight these voices, not only for fans to know that there is stuff for them, but to push, uh, but to push creators to bring these narratives forward, yeah. you know, to not, to cast somebody other than a white brunette woman, <laughs> you know, as, yes. as 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 your as your as your female lead, um, which is important. And it, the main thing is, we have tried to sustain this by using representation not only for race, but we've also done a character focus and highlight uh, for LGBTQIA representation in the fandom as well. Okay. So we've been able to use it um, as a tar- in a targeted way. I believe the next one we'll be doing is at the end of this week or, na- or the start of next week. I'm highlighting Black women in fandom. Woo! Um, so we're we're trying to make sure that. Uh, Star Wars rep- uh, Star Wars representation matters doesn't lose ground and that we keep having these conversations because it's important um, and it's important to make sure that your fandom feels like home and a lot of that comes from making sure that it's inclusive yes no absolutely no absolutely absolutely and I think that's I mean so I got a so I got a chapter coming out with the, with the back fact the other guy Joseph Boston he was on the podcast and we're going to be doing an episode as well talking about it cuz he completely hated the film he has some some huge like <laughs> racial tropes about it and everything we were actually going back and forth on on text and we were like dude we just need to get on a podcast and just <laughs> just have a conversation <laughs> but he and I have done a chapter and we were looking at kind of the racial tropes within um uh, um, oh, Finn in in episode seven, and so yeah. you know we're in fact we're we're making some updates because I felt like there was a little bit of a uh, uh, of some how can I say it? It, it? I feel like it was fixed a little bit with what Ryan was trying to do with Finn. I felt like Finn was still kind of a buffoonish, even though he was a stormtrooper and he was trained to fight and all this stuff. He was still kind of like you know jumpy and scary. Anyways, I talk about this a lot in uh, in the in this in this chapter. Uh, Joseph, who's from Australia, who's got a completely different take on race, being in a different <laughs> part of the world, takes it in a different direction. He he had made the argument and in in and how. Uh, Lupita, I can never say her last name. Nya- uh, Lupita Nyao. Nyao. Yes. Yes. Nyao. I, I can't. It, 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 it's. It's. I always hate mispronouncing people's names. I know. But I, I think. Yes, I, I think, think that's. I think yeah. Yes, <laughs> I think that's pretty close. But <laughs> I apologize, Lupita. I love you. I know. <laughs> no, I absolutely. I, I love her so much. Absolutely, she she is an amazing actress, and so he had said, "Man, why wasn't she cast as Ray?" Like here you have an established actress, here you have some rather than a CG 
face with a voice and everything. So I was just like, huh, that's that's very interesting. And just yeah. and just uh, and looking at it. I mean, these are some of the theories that I've had as well. I mean, one of them I was tweeting about this the other day about how I felt like Adam Driver. This is just me would have made a better Anakin than Christian Hayden. And, may, and maybe that's just too far fetched because uh, some folks commented and were like, yeah, but, you know, he didn't have much to work. Yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I, I agree to a point in that if you look at the main cast, so the main three, none of them were actually established actors other than Oscar Isaac. Yes, um, yeah. So both Finn and, uh, so both uh, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley were chosen as the leads because that's what Star Wars does. Yeah, no, yeah. It chooses people that you don't know. Um, I have a complicated relationship with um with the idea of putting people of color behind cg because that is definitely a problem that is where we are casted but then at the same time um during the star wars rep matters um first go around where we were talking about just um people of color being represented as a whole Mm -hmm. we um a whole bunch of people were saying that these aliens should be in here and they should be played by, you know, this black woman or this black man. And, you know, because they have our facial features, these types of things. And I'm like, okay, this is where I want to take a step back and kind of do like a scholarly analysis of this, because in one of your tweets, you're complaining that people of color are constantly put behind um, behind masks and CG and face paint. But at the other hand, you're saying, well, you need to make sure you cast us as this alien character if you ever bring it to screen. So it, it's kind of like this really weird dynamic. And I, I think the difference, at least, because they're, they're speaking specifically about Ahsoka Tano from the Clone Wars and Rebels series. Okay. Um, I think the main difference is that Maz Kanata, who is Lupita's character, is so far from being human that that's where there's a difference. Whereas like uh, Ahsoka Tano is a Togruta who is a, he has humanoid features, but has like the, these like head type things, yeah. not like a Twi'lek that goes back, but they go up. I, it, I'm doing hand signals like the listeners can see them, but like, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, she is closer to being human, um, but it's, it's, it's a messy area when you start talking about things like that, because when it comes to calling for representation, at least from what I've seen from Star Wars, Twitter, which is not representative of the whole, um, there is a call to bring these characters who are alien and would need heavy makeup to be played by people of color, specifically women of color. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why, well, you know, and man, that's fascinating. Because, I mean, again, going back to just how race in, within the, the, the canon of, of Star Wars, I found it interesting just in the original trilogy um, you know, particularly as is is African Americans, you know, what role they play. And of course, you know, um um oh Billy D. Williams' character. Now I'm spacing on his name. Lando uh, Calrissian, right. Um I remember the first time seeing that as a kid and growing up in a small white town in Texas, <laughs> not the burgeoning <laughs> city of Austin or Houston or Dallas. No, I was in a small podunk town. And I remember <laughs> thinking, like, wow. Black folks are like gamblers and this, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we're trading, but we're, you know, we're kind of sneaky on. So, I mean, I've always had that in the back of my mind thinking about, you know, where folks like that fit. But then, I don't know. Again, this is just for me. uh, I felt like Mace Windu was really a, a, 
kind of a redemption of sorts to that. Oh, I mean, I yeah. F- I felt like he was really the only one who could handle the, like, he was going to take down the emperor. Like, he was going to take down he was the, the only one. He was the only one who was going to do something about anything. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is how I feel very much about Oscar Isaac, you know, in here. He's the only one that actually wants to get up and do something. Right, right, right. <laughs> No, absolutely. And that, and that's exactly. I mean, and that's for me is just, you know, as we're thinking about just, again, characterization and development and story arcs and whatnot. I I'm I'm interested to see where J.J. takes Poe in, you know, in episode nine. Now, you said it was delayed. I hadn't heard that. Like You said nine yeah. is delayed. Yeah. So nine is delayed, um, which I believe they, they they released after Carrie's death because they're not sure what to do. There had to be significant rewrites because the goal of it was to be a movie about her and Kylo. Um, yes. OK. But that isn't really a possibility. Yeah. Because um, I don't know how extensive they have rights to uh, re, um, to computer animating her. Yeah. Um, especially with her uh, with her daughter. Establish her daughter played Lieutenant Connix, who was Poe's right hand woman in orchestrating this entire mutiny. So yes. what did he do? Because he was sexist. He did it because Holdo was wrong. Um, yes, I would. Yes. Okay, good. Okay, good. Man, he's bringing them up. This is great. <laughs> so the fact that her daughter, Billy Lord, is a part of the sequel trilogy now, um, I, I don't know what they're going to do, whether or not she's giving them leeway, because I believe she she is the executor for both, or the, the, um, the, the I guess the, exe- the guardian of both uh, Leia and Debbie Reynolds, um, her grandmother and, and uh, Carrie Fisher's mother um, likeness and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes. I don't know what they're doing. Um, but I do know, too, when it comes to character arcs, as much as people were getting mad that J.J. was tapped to be director of nine again because they wanted a woman of color they wanted a woman or they want a person of color remember jj abrams created poe finn and ray he yeah purposefully yeah said i want a cast of not just white men he yeah. said that he's on record as having said that and made sure that the people he was creating in this universe were going to be representative of everybody. Um, which, honestly, having never seen the Latino in Star Wars... <laughs> right, right! I'm happy about that. Right. Um, as I have both Oscar Isaacs and Diego Luna. Um, but I digress from that. Um, we're <laughs> talking on. about Latinx representation. That's is a right. completely different story because I got a lot of feelings on that, too. Um, I think... Sadly, I think Finn was underutilized heavily in Last Jedi. Yeah. As same Rose. I think that yeah. entire subplot can be pulled out of the movie and everything still happens. Yeah. Uh, and when I talk about the subplot, it's it's the one where they go to get the space. It's the heist. Yeah. It's essentially Rogue One within The Last Jedi. Right. And right. it's just, it, it's, it's very compressed. Mm-hmm. And so you don't know enough about what's going on, but you can't say can you can't say Ryan should have made it longer 
because then that takes away from the wonderful Skywalker story arc that we have going on. So it, it was what he did with the time allowed. And I think the problem is he tried to switch it from a focused narrative to an ensemble cast movie to where everybody's going to get something. Everybody's going to get a subplot. Yeah. And I think that was a detriment to it because you only see bits and pieces of the ca- these characters mm-hmm. and they don't directly impact the main story. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen Rose directly impact Ray's trajectory, directly impact how Ray was going. I would have loved to have seen Finn do something. <laughs> yeah. Actually do something because even when he beats Phasma, Phasma is the new Boba Fett, by the way. Cool armor does absolutely nothing. Right. Um, Right. Even when he defeats her, it's supposed to be this moment of the lowly stormtrooper taking out his, you know, um, taking out his oppressor, taking out his boss, taking out the, you know, the woman in charge. But we know nothing about her. Mm -hmm. We know nothing about his time there. Unless you go and read the Phasma book, you don't know that she's a sociopath. Unless you go read the Phasma book, you don't know that her armor is actually made of Palpatine ship. That's that yes, she yes. herself. And so Rose shooting a blaster at her when even in the movie they show it deflect. Yes. That wouldn't have made her show that much attention. Phasma should have walked up to Rose and backhanded her. It shouldn't have been like all of this back and forth. Right. Like, right. Rose's not a problem. Um, so, right. Like. it's really hard to watch because Phasma was the way to give Finn this conquering moment Mm -hmm. to where he stops running and he's, he's directly confronting the first order and it's a payoff. But the battle was so anticlimactic that he just, you know, surprise her on the head and the ship eats her like that, that that's not, it doesn't give his arc weight. Yes. It, it, It takes away from it. Yes. Because I felt the same thing. Like when the floor gave way, I was like, no, no, keep fighting, keep fighting. Like, take her yes. out. <laughs> like, the Emperor's floor didn't just fall out. And, like, come on, man. Like, yes, I'm, I'm 200% with you on that. Absolutely. Um, and so, okay, so <laughs> this is good. Um, I definitely want to hear more about this Latinx. I want to hear, I want to hear a little bit about that. <laughs> then, then I have some direct questions, but I want to hear more about this because this is, this is good. You say ramble, but this is all beautiful, brilliant stuff right here. This is, this is good because you're right. I mean, that was, I mean, my mom being, you know, Mexican American, the whole Afro Latina. I mean, that was one of the things that she had mentioned to me early when we were watching, uh, was we watched Star Wars. I actually saw the original trilogy out of order. I saw Star Wars because there was no Netflix or Internet or Hulu or none of those things existed back in 1980. Um, I missed The Empire Strikes Back in the theater. And so I, I had to go see the, la- the Return of the Jedi. And then when it came out on VHS in 1983, that's when I finally saw it. Um, and so I because I didn't a lot of it didn't make sense. I was like, wait, why is Luke talking to sister? Like, wait. Uh, oh, but yeah, he did reveal that in, in there. But nonetheless, I was like, wait, they're father. And whoa, wait a minute. So, so I'm curious. But my mom didn't mention like, you know, there's, you know, there's, you know, this, she's like, I don't think Star Wars could handle any Mexicans. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, so. So this is this is my mom back in the the 70s and 80s. So I'm curious your thoughts on this and now with Poe. Yeah. So I think overall, when it comes to representation in media, the Latinx communities are highly invisible. Yes. And highly ignored. Mm -hmm. 
Um, which makes no sense because I believe I believe we're the highest minority group at this point. If not, like we're right with it. I believe we're about twenty percent now of the mm-hmm. country is Latinx. Um, also, just as a disclaimer, I'm I'm Mexican American. I am not the same thing as a Colombian American or an El Salvadorian American or a Cuban American. There, there are go. differences, um, but for the purposes of um, of culture and from the area of the world. Uh, you know, we make up one of the larger percentages of, of the United States uh, when it comes to ethnic minorities. But when it comes to representation, we have about 5% of on-screen representation, and that's it. We should be having a larger piece of that pie, but we don't. And when we come into when we come into voice, that we need to pay attention to this. A lot of the times we're we're just not really thought of. And it's the same thing with Asian Americans as well. There's this thought in Hollywood that diversity is adding a black member to your cast, not, oh, well, there's actually a whole bunch of different people who look these other ways. I don't just have right. to go with this. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of like an afterthought. And so when you come to Star Wars now, Cassie and Andor, played by Diego Luna in Rogue One, was a main character. He was the male lead. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big moment. And he also chose to keep his accent. Yeah. Um, that was a huge moment. He also pretty much told, you know, he told Jin, he checked her white feminism and said, hey, not all of us get to choose not to look at the Empire flag Ooh, hanging above us. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we were born, I was born into this. Yes. I don't have a choice. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yes. Thank you. This is perfect. And that's why I don't like dinner. So. But um, and so it, it was a way for me to connect as a Latina in a way that I hadn't to Star Wars before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, it was. I don't want to say that it wasn't necessary. I, 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 I have always had a deep, a deep connection to the material, mm-hmm. but it's something different when you actually get to see somebody who looks like you right there doing those things. It's easier to put yourself in that position and spe- specifically with Cassian's character, um, you're able to identify with what he's saying specifically with how the world's going around. And then you bring in somebody like Poe who is an ace pilot and the right-hand man of of a Skywalker, of, of, of Princess Leia Organa, mm-hmm. of General Leia Organa. And we are right there. We are that important that we're next to her. Um, and uh, Oscar Isaac is Guatemalan and Cuban. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born in Guatemala, um, which he talks about all the time because in the original trilogy, there's a scene that sh- that's shot in Guatemala, and he's very proud of it. <laughs> um, and one of the things that I that I saw happen after The Last Jedi, actually, was that a lot of feminist Twitter, white feminist Twitter, to be exact, were casting him as a white man and mm. specifically saying that he was an example of white male sexism. And I'm like, OK, so he's Latino when you want to highlight the diversity in the universe. Yeah. yeah. But he's white when you want to say he's a sexist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because he is white passing and he and and he he does acknowledge that like many other uh, people in the business who do have that white passing privilege or the privilege to pass as ambiguous. He changed his name. 
because he wasn't going to get jobs otherwise. That's an entirely that that is a very big problem. The same things happened to Chloe Bennett, um, the Asian lead of Agents of Shield. Mm. Um, there's a need to change your name so that you don't get cast into roles that are entirely yeah. stereotypical and have to fight your way out of that. Yeah. Um, so it's easy for people to mislabel Oscar Isaac, but he's a proud Latino <laughs> and he talks about it all the time. That's right. And he does so many press uh, press briefs in Spanish. Um, Lupita as well. She grew up in Mexico. Um, so she speaks Spanish. And so her and him have these like awesome little like duo, like duo interviews <laughs> where they like they talk with Telemundo and like other other Spanish speaking uh, media outlets. But when I think it comes to Poe, I think Poe is... In a way, you can say it's kind of harmful um, because he does kind of bolster up this idea of machismo, of of being highly, you know, highly, mm-hmm. um, highly certified or I don't know how to I don't know how to put it. I, I, you know what? I wouldn't actually call it machismo because he's not putting anybody down to get where he is. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think that's the difference. I, and, and so I, I take that back mostly because he's just sure in himself to see a Latino that sure in yourself. Yeah, is is good. We we don't get to be the cocky pilots. We we're the dude. <laughs> we're we're the dude filling up the plane's gas most of the time. Right. <laughs> so I'll take Poe as a cocky flyboy over anything because he's the best at what he does. He knows it. Yeah, well, and, and that's his problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting. You note here in your in your essay, which again I'll be posting. You said here at the end, you said you know Poe got his piloting from his mother. Yes. Sherabay. You know, he was surrounded by powerful women in the stories of them his entire life. I think that's fascinating. I love that that you brought that in there. That's that's deep. Because like one of the things that I wanted to do with the article and when I talk whenever I talk widely, because I haven't read a whole bunch of the of the books and stuff. And for Poe, he doesn't have a book. He has a comic. Same thing with Cassie. And they give the brown people comics. But, you know. (laughs) Yes. being real here um, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but his comic details his life um and his um his time with his squadron led led by leia his interactions with leia and how he is very much her her surrogate son okay after she loses ben like he, she is his mother um because uh shara is no longer there and and, and shara bay was was an ace pilot she was Leia's pilot specifically. Um, she flew for her and she flew for Luke and she flew with Luke. Um, he comes from a long lineage of, um, I believe his father was a one of the people on the ground in, End- in Endor. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has a very prestigious lineage with his parents, but specifically the characteristics that are brought to film, or I guess retroactively what they made, what is important to him comes from his mom. And what is important to him now comes from Leia. And he very much like he is not somebody who is disrespecting Amalyn Holdo because she's a woman. And he because he has been surrounded by that power and those figures his entire life. Man, that's deep. That's deep. That is deep stuff right there. (laughs) I mean. All right. And so so these questions then I got some questions then for you, then because (laughs) I felt like. One of the reasons I was so excited for eight was that I felt like there were going to be some answers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I know this, this keeps coming up and, you know, in a lot of the fandom talk and, and just in some of the other blogs as well, Ray's parents and Snoke. (laughs) 
Because I had my theories. Obviously, everybody had theories, you know, on, you know, Snoke. I mean, somebody even said Snoke was Mace Windu and like he was pissed off and trying to, you know, come back to the Jedi. I was like, ah, I don't know about that. You know, um, so I, I felt like, like when I saw Snoke cut in half, I was like, oh, wh- wait, what? Like, oh, my gosh. Like, OK. Um, but then Ray's parents, my theory was that she was a Kenobi, but <laughs> I know now, you know, it's like he's saying, okay, she just comes from nothing, but then he's like, oh, but I don't believe that. And so I don't know. <laughs> uh... what, what were your thoughts on this? And I, cause I know this keeps coming up a lot and people haven't just let it go, even though I know yeah. some people feel like just let it go, whatever. But I'm, I'm still curious about who Snoke is. I could let Ray's parents go, but I'm like, okay, where does Snoke come from? Who is he? Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, so I actually I agree with both choices. Um, I'm fine with Snoke dying so long as we get an explanation in nine. If we don't, and he's just this hanging loose thread, it's why? Why would you do that? <laughs> right, right. Especially because he is built up as a very powerful figure in the Force Awakens. Um, you, we need to know more, which I think we're going to get because in the, in the Jedi visual dictionary, they point out that Snoke had more than one apprentice. So hopefully we see more things. We also know nothing about the Knights of Ren, by the way. Right. Right. (laughs) Which I personally want to know more about as well. Um, so I wasn't too caught off with that. I was like, you know, that was ballsy. That was ballsy to go and kill Snoke like that. Yeah. Um, but it is the something that tr- it is the thing that troubles me the most. Um, I also don't mind that she doesn't have um, that she doesn't have a Skywalker lineage, which was my theory was that she was uh, she was his sister because oh. of Maz's conversation with Han and Han's instant connection to her. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that she's shown feeling Han's death, like you know, kind of in a similar fashion as we see Leia feel it. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that's what I thought. But I can let it go. <laughs> Except for the fact that I really hate, like, ship who you want to ship. And when I say ship, ship is the fandom term for putting two characters together. Okay. Um, so ship who you want to ship, but acknowledge that Raylo, which is their couple name. Yeah. Kylo and Ray <laughs> is a very abusive relationship. And the whole you're nothing to everybody, but you're something to me line is like abusive relationship talk 101. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have a very big problem with that. So I still want them to be related because I don't want that to be a thing. (laughs) If that makes sense. Like, I'm totally okay that she's not a Skywalker, but I really want her to be a Skywalker so that Raylo isn't a thing. Yes. Yes. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. To all that. <laughs> to yeah. all that. Granted, granted though, I, I know a lot of Raylo, they call themselves Raylos, by the way. Um, so uh, <laughs> a lot of Raylos see their, their Skype calls together and their force connections as being this, this, um, a solidifying factor that that Raylo is, is is a thing, but I actually read that movie as closing the door on that because Ray literally closes the door on him and doesn't want anything to do with him. She tries to save him, it doesn't work, and she moves on. Yeah. That's how I read that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I don't know. I AJ, don't... please don't play with Kylo. <laughs> I know. No. 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 
no doubt. My daughter, she's also into this, and she's up and coming, and I'm trying to help explain some of these things, and she's she's pulling for the rail. I'm like, no, 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 no. And she's seen all these things on YouTube and, and, and whatnot, and I'm like, oh, no. But those were some of the questions I know I had, you know, going in, like, okay, hopefully these will get answered and whatnot, yeah. and, and, and I hope that gets covered up, you know, in or covered in nine. Um but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Now, what do you think? And I know, you know, we're, we're at our, we're getting at our time here, but this is so <laughs> fascinating to again talk with somebody who's so knowledgeable. Um, do you think Disney is going to remake the first three again to set the things right, or just they to leave it alone? Oh or- gosh, I hope not. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. No, no. Sorry, sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I, I is that a thing? Are people talking about that? There was a few folks who had mentioned it. That's why, I mean, and it, was, it wasn't a big thing. I mean, it was just a few folks yeah. who mentioned, like, you know, Disney, the powerhouse, they're going to go back and try to, you know, refix the, the first three and whatever, which I, I, I personally can't see. It's like, hey, they are what they are. Um, yeah. But then you think there's going to be a 10, 11, 12? So if there's a 10, 11, 12, I don't think it'll be attached it won't be like a tertiary, <laughs> a tertiary trilogy, or something. I, I don't know. Even you know what to call it. You have the prequel trilogy, the trilogy, the sequel trilogy. Yeah. And then like ten, eleven, twelve. I don't think they would be put in with this saga. I think it would start off as its own. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Um, absolutely. I think that they're you know they're they're closing the door on the Skywalker saga and on the original one that we had, and then we'll be moving to something new. What I will say is that one of the large decisions that played into Disney, the Disney Fox buyout was that Fox controlled the, um, the rights to the original theatrical cut of the original trilogy. So they'll probably market the hell out of that because everybody wants a copy of that without the uh, George Lucas edits. Oh, Okay. And then beyond that, another trilogy has been announced with Ryan Johnson controlling all three movies. Oh, and wow. then the, and then there's a live action TV show that's also greenlit uh, for their streaming service. Okay. So there's a lot there. I don't think they'll ever go back to the prequels. Um, they, you know, they are what they are. They're there. Yeah. They're not entirely like there are things you can take from it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, it 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 it's it, it's their story. It, right. it is it is it is what it is, and that you know that's how it goes. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have a question for you. How yes. do you think this fits into the sequel trilogy, The Last <laughs> Jedi? The Last Jedi. That's a good question. I um, I mean, I found it interesting that I mean, one of the things when I step back and take a, a, a larger look, I'm just like, man, the Skywalkers. They got the men's side, at least. They got some They got some shit they're dealing with, man. I'm like, good night. They fall to the dark side. And here we got Leia. She keeps her stuff together the whole time. I mean, <laughs> she even forces herself back into the ship out in the vacuum of space, man. I'm like, good night. So I thought personally, I mean, I think it was, it was if, if I look at it objectively, yes, this fits. Everything you just said about we've got to make a clean break. This has been about the Skywalkers for freak, you know, nine freaking episodes. Like, good night. Um, <laughs> pl- plus a Rogue One, and we're going to get a solo. And stuff. It's like, good night. But I think part of me wanted to see more of Luke training folks. I wanted to see more of 
like the afterword of six. Like, okay, everybody's celebrating. Yeah. You got the Force Ghosts of Anakin. Although I would have left the original character of the Force Ghost, but that's for another conversation. And I, mean, I, <laughs> I still have the original VHSs of that, and they're that without all the special effects in it. So I, I go back and I watch this. I still have a VCR in my house, and so <laughs> I wanted to see like what does that mean, like. You know, there was briefly mentioned in episode three um, when Yoda's they're about to end. He's like, I got to go into to, uh, uh, exile. And he was like, you know, but I've 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 figured out or uh, your master's figured out how to come back. And like, you know, they um, was it Qui-Gon? Is, yeah, is, is Qui-Gon. Qui like we never see him again. He's just he's just briefly mentioned. I'm like, come on, man. So I felt like it fit in in the way that that it needed to fit in in terms of just where Luke was at and what was what was happening i think the fan part of me wanted to see more of the hero side i mean i think what luke did with the whole force thing was was amazing like you know just like when he shows up and then he like you know brushes his shoulder off like he's getting <laughs> shot by those imperial walkers so i get that um i was i was definitely i felt a lot more resolve with this film that I did. I don't know. I don't know what it was about seven. Like I like seven in general. Like I like just the direction. I love the joke, the banter, the witter, the wit. I think, I think I felt like I had to do so much heavy lifting, like having to go back and read stuff and go on blah. I'm like, Oh dude, like just like, yeah. and, may, and maybe that's just me just being lazy. And I, you know, that's what I tell my students, right. You know, it's like, come on, man, don't be lazy. You know, go actually do the research. But I felt like, Nine fits in. I mean, I have some, it's a lot of the same, you know, quibbles that you have as well with it. Um, I feel like, okay, there's some definite holes, like, like you know, what's going on. But I feel like, okay, the, it's time for something new to get going. And, you know, just like the quote said, he said, you know, uh, get rid of the past, you know, what is it, kill it? What is Kylo Ren? Yeah, let, 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 uh, let the past die, kill it if you have to. Kill it if you have to. So, and that's what I felt a theme was you know that was kind of our you know coming through you know in this film and stuff and so i felt yeah. like it i felt like it fit i mean but then again i wasn't that down on the first three films i mean <laughs> i felt like episode two was necessary a bridge like that's like i know it was boring to a lot of people because it was a lot of dialogue and senator this <laughs> and senator that and we're gonna make a motion <laughs> was the simpsons they uh spoofed that they were <laughs> They were like, I don't know if you saw that Simpsons episode where they, uh, the Bart and them go to see the Star Wars and it's all this like legislative talk and, you know, and I think the ad at comes in and then sits down <laughs> and reads a paper and stuff. But I felt like a lot of that dialogue was necessary to set up, like, yeah. how did the Sith come into power? Like, how do these things come in? And so, I don't know. I wasn't that down on that. I mean, I think Lucas went nuts with CG. I mean, I, I watched. Oh, God. I, I, I watched episode three with my daughter. She loves episode three. I think she has a crush on, on Christian Hayden, but that's just between you and me. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just, I was seeing all the CG. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, so it was a breath of fresh air to see, like, the caretakers. I mean, like, you know, you could, these were obviously, they didn't look, at least they didn't look like, um, I'm forgetting the caretakers' name. The, the Praetorian Guard? Yes. The red ones? No, not the red ones. The one on the... Luke's Island, the ones that Ray was having. Oh, they, 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 I can't remember their name, but they're on Ochto. Um, the, like, fish women. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the fish nuns. Yes. <laughs> there is an actual name for that, but that's not in my head. Right. No, no I know what you mean. No, I know what you mean. So I, it felt good to just see some of the characters be, you know, it just it like these. Practical. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than having a blue, you just tell like, oh, my gosh, that's that was just done all in blue screen. Like, come on, dude. Um. So that's I don't know. That's me. That's me. I've, I've taken it. 
I think, yeah, I've taken it a little bit more. I'm still struggling between which is the best episode because I loved Return of the Jedi, but I know Empire Strikes Back was was really well done and and, and crafted together um, in writing as well. But those 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 that's that's my take um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that. I was, you know, and, and yeah, I, and it was. It's, I think part of it too is just the the current era that we find ourselves in. You know, it's like I want to believe more hope. Like I'm thinking, like near the end of the movie, like how is this going to end? Like what? What the hell? You killed off everybody. They're they're encroaching on the gate. They got the the old um, the what did they say? They call it the 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 Death Star tech with that battering ram. The the late big yeah laser. the yeah the the ramming cannon. Right, right. You know, it's like good night. I'm like, whoo. But you know, they got out. Ray moved the rocks, and you know, on on to the on to the next. So. Yeah. Um, which is like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, which is one of the things that people were saying, this is the most un-Star Wars-y movie. I'm like, Empire Strikes Back ends with so much badness. Like, Empire yes. Strikes Back yes. is not a good note to end a movie yes. on. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. We're used to seeing the badness. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that's, and in the back of my mind going into the movie, I thought it was going to kind of feel like that at the end of this mm-hmm. movie. Um, because you're right. The first time I saw Empire Strikes Back, I'm thinking, oh, good, we got another hour. And then it's just like it cuts away as they're looking at this galaxy or whatever they're flying (laughs) into. I'm like, wait a minute. No. But you're right. You're right. It does. Hans Frozen. But at least here you do get hope. Yes, you do. No, absolutely. And the little kid at the end with, you know, he's doing the little force thing. Broom boy. Yes. (laughs) Broom boy. That's right. Oh, mercy. So, yes, this has been great, Kate. Thank you. Yeah, no, not a problem. I mean, I think overall, I really wish that JJ should have done all three. Um, yes, I it agree. Maybe, it, 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 like, maybe the fact that I'm a horror fan and horror franchises usually do terrible once you start switching up directors. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it, it's a cohesive vid- vision and it's yes. a cohesive story. And I don't like it when it's not cohesive. Yes. Um, and I felt like there are a lot of things in The Last Jedi that if you don't go read, you don't know. You yes. don't really know a lot about Paige. She, which she was a phenom- She was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I actually like Paige, Paige Tico over Rose Tico because with one line, I was able to cry when she dies in the beginning. <laughs> um, whereas I don't feel like I ever had a connection to Rose. Um, DJ is getting a comic book, so you're going to learn about him. Yeah. Poe, you don't really know about his entire relationships with everybody because that mm-hmm. happens in his comic. Mm-hmm. You don't know Phasma's a badass because she's pretty much Boba Fett unless you go read the book. <laughs> you know, Amelyn Holdo, you don't know that she's a good person unless you go read the book. Like, there's so much drive now in franchises. Yeah. To make you go buy the extra stuff to fill in the holes because it helps you appreciate it more. So I think I think one of the things that I've noticed with Star Wars fans that that's really frustrating to me is well is defending some of these issues by saying, but the book. I'm like, well, that's good that you read the book, but uh, the majority of the people who gave yeah. their money to this one do- to this one mil- to this one billion dollar ticket sales probably didn't read the book. Right. Right. And that's fine, too. Like, those fans should still get a good experience going to the movie. Um, yes. Well, and everything you just said, and that's the way exactly I felt with Seven. And I think you yeah. uh, you and JR were actually one of the ones who encouraged me to go and read <laughs> more. Cause, and, again, just wanted to have it served to me like I did in, you know, in episodes uh, four, five, and six. It, that's what prepared me better 
for yeah. episode eight, because I think yeah. walking into it, I was able to recognize more names and understand, OK, oh, Phasma's this and like she should get a spinoff, too. I mean, good night. I mean, <laughs> that's 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 worth something. I wish they would have done more with um uh the what is it uh the sith in in episode one um like he he acts like come on that dude's a badass too man it's like come on so yes everything you just said i felt like yeah. right most most folks are not going to nerd out they're going to go they want to see a story and blah 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 and so yeah. but that's what prepared me and i wasn't prepared for that going into episode seven yeah and, i can see that yeah yeah, I also think too, and I do want to point out here. Um, I'm kind of really frustrated by making the first order all white people, <laughs> except for like their animation dude that you, that they showed like a close up in. That kind of it really bugs me. Yeah, because like I get what you're trying to do here, but <laughs> yeah, if we're honest, yes, uh, the Empire hated aliens. They didn't hate you. Be like he, human, like the human human race construction doesn't isn't the same. Yeah. And so the Empire and the First Order, which is a remnant of the Empire, wouldn't allow aliens into their midst. But why is it just white people? Yeah. Because uh, we, we know that there are people of color in at least the fighting rank because we get Finn. Yeah. Why are none of them on screen? And why does the Resistance only have humans? Yeah. <laughs> because the like the aliens in the universe... Stan have lost the most because of the empire in the first order. Why are they not being highlighted in the resistance as well? Um, I actually thought that seven um, had a lot more practical effects and a lot more uh, aliens. Yes. Um, than this one did, which is something I, we talk about on our podcast a whole bunch um, because it's, it, it, it's sci-fi aliens. Just don't give me humans yelling at each other. <laughs> It's true. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point too. I mean, I think that's again why you're right, and you're right. I mean, all the stuff that aliens have lost, you know, because of the Empire and First Order, and um, again, they I hate... enslaved entire species. Right. <laughs> right. I mean that. Yes, and I think that. I would love to have seen more of that expansion, like folks who are standing up and saying, you know, no, we're gonna we're gonna fight, and like. We're going to, you know, take the stand. I mean, and I think just about, well, that one brother who's the TIE fighter, he's he's an alien species. But I'm trying to think everybody who got yeah. held up pretty much is human. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, other other than the one person who's helping ho helping Poe, um, Nyan Nub is in the background. The the dude that 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 flied with Lando all the time. Yes. Um, he he's in the background. That's right. That's right. Akbar gets a shot, and then he's shot out of the out oh. of the, uh, the spaceship. But oh. yeah, there's really no humans, and it just it doesn't make sense. Because I understand you're trying to make it like a racial allegory for our time with the First Order, but like that's not how it would work, right? In Wars. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's something completely different. Exactly. No, I'm exactly. I mean, this is the end. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which is where I bring in my pitch to have a Guillermo del Toro directed only alien movie in the Star Wars franchise Ooh. where it's one of the anthologies, but there's not a single human in it except oh. for like maybe a bounty hunter. Like maybe it's a, it's a maybe it's the Boba Fett anthology movie, wow. but it's just about Boba Fett's time in Coruscant or tracking down, you know, tracking down one of his marks and only going to these planets and we don't see humans. 
That would be and awesome. And DDT gets to just unleash his entire creature making ability. Oh man, I would be so in for that. That I want be... it so bad. That would be awesome. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Oh man, we don't hear that. And, and and in the in the television shows, in in the Clone Wars as well as Rebels, there are really great alien characters. And in Rebels specifically, the best pilot at that point is Hera Syndulla, who is a, a Twi'lek, and she's a lead character. But we don't have that on screen, and you know it, it sucks. Yes, embrace <laughs> yes. the practical effects. That's right. That's if, right. If, if Yamada Toro can do an hour in 45 minutes of a man in a fish costume, you can do a mask <laughs> and get some aliens on screen, JJ. Oh, man, that is the truth. That is the truth. Wow. Woo. This has been amazing, Kate. Thank you. <laughs> this has been amazing. You weren't lying. This is like you had all kind of good stuff. I'm sure we just scratched the surface. <laughs> I have so many feels. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Kate. I am going to be posting. Um, I'm going to repost. Uh, but why, though, the podcast and, you know, that 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 link as well in the show notes. I got your two uh, essays here that you wrote. This, these are just, you know, briefly looking over them. I love the you included pictures as well. That's that's awesome. Um, and I'll post folks, you know, your blog as well, because I think. This all fits into, you know, particularly my podcast with, you know, Profane Faith. I mean, I think this is stuff that needs to be discussed in terms of something like this in terms of Star Wars and just where it fits in just the day to day. And especially where we find ourselves sociopolitically, uh, what that what that looks like um, with, you know, being the resistance, you know, and, yes. and what not. Uh, any last thoughts here before we uh, uh, say goodbye? Uh, have me on for a Rogue One episode where we rewatch Rogue One and talk all about oh. the Jedi, the Jedi religion that's that that's exemplified yes. there by people who aren't Jedi and the race dynamics. Oh yes, the Rogue yes. <laughs> See, and that brings up all the other thing too. Is when Luke talks about the Jedi being hubris and just this, I was like, oh wait, no, say more, say more. Like how and he says specifically the Jedi religion. Yes, yes. Okay. All right. I'm I'm definitely because yeah, that's a whole yeah, that's yes. Yes. <laughs> yes indeed. Well, thank you so much, Kate. One of our proud sponsors is ARC, Arts, Religion and Culture. They are putting on the Theopoetics Conference coming up here on March 9th and 10th of this year. I know you've heard me talking about this conference, right, y'all? And I'm going to continue to talk about it until it happens because it's coming up. It's coming up. And I want to encourage you guys, particularly those of you who are faithful listeners to Profane Faith, to go on, register. You can check out using the code PROFANEFAITH for a 10% discount on registrations and room and board. That's right. You heard it. 10% on room and board and registration. Use the code PROFANEFAITH at checkout and you'll receive that discount. Let me tell you, y'all, this is going to be an amazing, amazing conference. I'm so excited about it. I'm excited to hang around people who do art in all kinds of forms and especially those who do art and are engaged in some kind of theological and socio-spirituality and trying to figure out what this thing called justice really means in the Trumpster area. So I hope to see you guys there. I'm going to be there. It's out in Boston. It's going to be some good food. Boo on the Patriots. <laughs> but we're going to be out there. We're going to be hanging out. So again, Arts, Religion, and Culture. It's a sponsor of the show, putting on Theo Poetics. Go on, register, get your little 10% off, Profane Faith, at the checkout code, and I'm going to see you there. All right? 
Peace.